Today is also an exciting day because we are continuing on in Heartstrong and we have finished the book of Matthew. Whoa! Isn't that amazing? Like, that was so fast. Anybody feel like that was, like, super quick? Like, you have already read through the book of Matthew. Two chapters a day, and it only took us a month. Amazing. And now we get to dive into the book of Mark, which is one of my favorite uh, gospels. I lean between Mark and Luke. Luke is super fire as well. Uh, but Mark is amazing. So we're in the same season of Heartstrong, but today we start our second book. Tom Wright says this about Mark's gospel. He says this, Mark's gospel is the shortest and the sharpest of the stories about Jesus. Many people think Mark's gospel was the first to be written, and certainly it has all the zip and punch of a quick, hasty story that's meant to grab you by the collar and make you face the truth about Jesus, about God, and yourself. A proper uh, uh, opening question that the book of Mark would look to answer is our title for the message today is this. Do other people know whom you follow? Do other people know whom you follow? whom you follow. And let's just dive straight into our scripture today. I'm going to stay as close to my notes as I possibly can, but also I may just go left and right because I just sense that the Holy Spirit really wants to speak uh, through this message today uh, to those who are gathered. So we're going to let him do that today. But let us read Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, so good. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were all going out to him and being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the gospel of Mark. And we open this morning, Lord Jesus, in a position of thankfulness. God, I'm so thankful for your spirit that has just ministered already so powerfully in this place. And Lord God, I just ask that you would continue. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to whisper peace over this congregation today. People that are watching online, God, I pray that your spirit would just enter into their household right now, God, that they would understand that, that virtually they are gathered together with us. 
And so, God, as we pray this morning, God, as we move forward in your word this morning, God, mountains will be moved in this place. God, I believe that the breath of fresh wind will flow through this building. Holy Spirit, I believe that there are those within the sound of my voice today that will be called by you, God, called into a deeper relationship to you, God, called to minister on your behalf to this city, God, called to surrender once again to your glory. And so we ask that today in your holy name. God, let it be so today. Let it be so that you would move in freedom across this room. And we proclaim that in your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we declare, amen, 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 amen. Man, God is good. Woo, can you just feel them today? Man, I just like it's, like, it's like just a warm blanket. I'm just feeling like if I get sweating up here, I know why. Right? I just sense the Holy Spirit in this place today, and I love it. When it comes to answering that question, do other people know who you follow? There are a few critical factors, and Mark dives into them right off the top. He dives into it straight away. Number one, Jesus is good news. Come on. Jesus is good news. We see that even in the declaration of God the Father over his son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Church, I want you to hear that this morning. If you have been baptized in water previously, I share this with all of our candidates. Wasn't it amazing that last baptismal service that we had? Oh, so incredible to just see young and, and, and our adults and all of these people saying, I declare for Jesus. Jesus also declares for you. Jesus also declares for you. He is pleased with who his father has created. Come on. He is pleased with who his father has created. Jesus is good news. And not only is he new for today, but we are connected to all of the believers in the past. We are surrounded this morning by such a great cloud of witnesses. There are those who have gone before us, saints like Abraham and, and, and Moses, who have set the stage for where it is that our belief can have a foundation. Mark declares this in the opening, in the opening verses of, of his gospel, that even what it is that it's about to take place, it was prophesied already of old through the prophet Isaiah. Do, do people know whom you serve? The, the third immediate question is that we also need to understand that our call is to prepare the way for others to see Jesus. Amen? That our call is to let other people know who it is that we stand for. And so let's take a deeper look at John the Baptist this morning and dig into what it is that he is trying to show us in answering these three uh, important critical factors. It was important for John that people understood that he was the first, but that there was someone else that was coming. And when it comes to pointing towards Jesus, these are the things, right? Is what I believe and share about Jesus good? Am I honoring the past? Do I accept that my life either clears or clutters others' abilities to see Jesus? And John spelled these things out in his life. Mark 1 verses, Mark chapter 1 verse 4 says this, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
The first thing is this, that John is present where he is needed. John the Baptist finds himself baptizing the people of Judea, the people of Jerusalem out in the wilderness. Church, I want to encourage you today that God is going to meet you right where you are. I want to encourage you that God knows what it is that you're going through. Some of you, the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you today, and you've been able to worship God right where you are to say, God, I'm in the middle of the battle. I'm in the middle of all these different circumstances, but I know that you go before me. This battle is yours. John found himself in the wilderness. He didn't find himself clothed in in riches. He didn't find himself in in a temple somewhere. He didn't find himself in, in in a location that would have been difficult for people to reach. He found himself in the wilderness. He found himself in a place where anyone of any different, uh, political or social class could have came and received what it was that he was presenting. We also are called to do the same. To find ourselves in a place that is accessible to those that don't know Jesus yet. John is also found proclaiming how we must move towards God. He encourages those who come to hear what it is that's taking place in the wilderness. He is not shy about what it is that it's going to take for them to step into the waters of baptism. And church, as we uh, begin to have our lives open for those who need to know Jesus, we can't be shy about our Lord and our Savior. Come on. Church, we can't be shy about Jesus. Amen? We can't be shy about the one who wasn't shy for us. He hung on the cross and died for our sins. He was risen again in three days. He sits on the throne of peace. He sits on the throne of mercy. He sits on the throne of hope. This is the Lord that we serve. And so as we move into our workplaces this week, as we, as we move into our households th- uh, tonight, as we move into our neighborhoods this afternoon, let us move boldly, proclaiming who Jesus is. The third thing that John does is he promises hope. If people are going to see God in us, if people are going to know who it is that we're following, church, let us be instruments of hope that he is not done yet, that there is more to come. John says at the end there, he says, listen, you, I know that you've come to me for batter and, wa- and uh, for water baptism, but there is a greater baptism that is coming. For he, though I have baptized you in water, he will baptize you in the Spirit. The notice here also is for us to understand that repentance always precedes baptism. Baptism isn't a step of repentance, but instead it's a, sir, it's a sign. It's this outward proclamation that we have already turned and trusted Jesus. And while our lives might not get all of the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem to come and turn out, Beloved, I promise you today that if you are present where God is needed, if you are available and accessible to those who need to see Jesus, if you are proclaiming in action and word how to move towards God, and if your life is promising a genuine hope, people will listen. Sounds like good news to me. If you, in your life, you are not responsible for the outcomes of how it is that, uh, that people engage in you, but you are responsible for your obedience to Christ. 
as we live our lives before God, as we live our lives before those who don't know Jesus yet, remember, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago, it is not your job to save your family. It is not your job to save your friends. It is not your job to save your coworkers or to save the students that walk the halls with you in the high school. That's God's job. Your job is to be obedient to who God has created you to be and to what it is that he's called you to. And we see this in the life of John. John, one of my favorite things about him is that he was very obedient to who he was. Mark 1.6 says this, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. I'm going to read that again. John was clothed with camel's hair, not Louis Vuitton, not, right? He didn't have the flyest jays. He wore a leather belt around his waist and called it a day. Oh, and what did he eat? Locusts and wild honey. Mmm. Anybody like, you know what? I can wait till lunch. I thought I was hungry, but now I'm, I'm good. John was, to put it simply, unique. Set apart? Yes. Displaying that in his own way? Yes. It's so amazing to hear of all the disciples that uh, you'll later read in the Gospels. We've already read it in, in the Gospel of Matthew, where, where Jesus goes to the disciples of, of, of John, and I wonder if part of following John was they had to do the same thing. Man, I'm telling you, what a faith. What a faith. John was unique, and he really encourages us uh, to embrace who it is that God has called us to be, to remember that our part in the gospel story is important, that God has specifically created you to laugh the way that you laugh, to think the way that you think, to, to, to be engaged in the way that you're engaged, and we need to lean into that. In Matthew, we already read that John was an Elijah figure. He's a representation of the prophet that was uh, prophesied about in the Old Testament. But John was not a copy. John was not a copy. And God does not expect you to be anyone other than he has created you to be. You don't have to be a second-rate version of someone else when the world needs you to be a perfectly trustworthy, real version of yourself. One of my favorite things about church is we are not the same, right? When one of our hosts, Francesca, gets up here and, and she just starts proclaiming God's goodness in her native tongue, I love that. I love that because I can't wait till one day, right? And maybe this is just a call out from the Holy Spirit to me now being like, well, why don't you just take some classes? Okay, God, just let me say what I have written here. I can't wait till one day when I see all of us gathered in the heavenly realm and we are declaring God in unison through all of these amazing languages. And I just believe that at that time, I'm going to be able to understand them all. It's going to be great. And I hear the Holy Spirit being like, start now. Okay, God, okay. But I love that. I love what it is that makes us different. You've already heard today that for the free store that Cassie has fully embraced, uh, uh, my wife has fully embraced pulling together the volunteer teams. There is nothing that brings her more joy than sorting things and organizing things. I'm telling you, it is amazing, right? Like, listen, cleaning the house for me is like, really, we have to? She's like, let's do it. 
Let's dust the shelves. All right, she just gets, and it's just how God has made her. And I'm thankful for that because otherwise my poor children, <laughs> right? If my wife and I were the same, oh, we would never have people over. But we're not because God knew, God knew, God knew. And church, the ch- and, and, and beloved, let's not say church, the church is, let's say beloved, the church is the same. Each and every one of you, I, I wholeheartedly believe that every single person is here this morning for a purpose. I'm going to say it again. I believe that every single person is here for a purpose, that you have a role to play and not just in your profession. And it's not just about how good of grades you can get in school and where it is that you can uh, give your energy to, to the culture that we live in. No, I believe that your purpose runs deeper. I believe that there is a call on your life specifically to fit into the kingdom of God, to bring it to life for our city, for our nation that desperately needs to know Jesus. So lean into who it is that God has created you to be. Lean into what makes you different and find your relationship with God there. It is important that just as John, that we embrace who it is that God has called us to be, understanding that he has created us, and if he has created us, he has also declared it is good. John never took all the things around him as an opportunity to show anything other than that he was pointing to something else. In a culture that is so enamored with all of the stuff, I think the life of John also gives us an example of of one of the dangers that we need to face here in our North American culture, is that we do not allow the stuff in our lives to become our savior. That we do not allow the stuff in our lives to be what it is that we are pointing people to. The stuff can obviously be the material things that we gather, but it can also be our physical attributes. If you're like me and you're six foot five, right? Just, just leave it. You don't need to tell everybody. It's okay. Right? <laughs> Maybe it's your acquired skills. Your spiritual gifts, your life experiences, or natural abilities. These are what make us unique, but they are not what make us special. See, the thing that truly sets us apart is that we know Jesus. The thing that truly sets us apart is that we know Jesus. I've said this before and I'll say it again because I just, I've seen this reality played out not only in in my life, but in the lives of those who fought. Listen, beloved, I don't know why God chose you to be here today, but the fact that you're here today speaks one thing to me that God chose you first, but not to be the last. He has reached out to you and called out to you because that thing in your life that we truly want to glorify, that thing in your life that we truly want to show people is our deep, passionate love for Jesus. Our physical attributes, our acquired skills, our material possessions, our spiritual gifts, our life experiences, our natural abilities, let them all point to Christ, not to ourselves. Maybe the way that John presented himself was actually specifically for that purpose. Nobody went to go see John the Baptist in order to follow after his lavish lifestyle. 
No one was being discipled by John because of what it was that they could obtain from the world if they followed him. No, people ran to the wilderness. People went to see what it was that was happening because John was sending a message of hope to the people of the time. The Jewish people found themselves under Roman rule. And though some of their order were, were finding it easy, the Pharisees and the tax collectors had, had, had figured out how to make a profit out of that relationship, the soul of the Jewish people were crying out for freedom. They were crying out for salvation. They were crying out for deliverance. And it was very clear to them that this person wearing camel fur and, and, and just had a belt and he's out there eating locusts, but there was something spiritually taking place there. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 7, John the Baptist makes it very clear why it is that he is in the wilderness. He preached this saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. He goes even further, essentially saying that if you think being baptized in water is amazing, wait until God does in you what only God can do. And baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. beginning of the gospel of Mark invites us into this deep and rich story of who Jesus is. And it points out John the Baptist. It says, look at this, this person whose entire existence, his reason for being born was for one purpose, to prepare the way of the soon coming king. His purpose was to point to Jesus, the Messiah who would come. And we see in the final verses of the chapter that we read that Jesus came and he was baptized. We read about it in, in the book of Matthew. And the dove descended and this amazing man of God, 30 years of age, Jesus himself was released into his ministry. But John had a part to play. And church, we have a part to play as well. If you're here today and you're in high school, I want to let you know that more important what profession it is that you will achieve and succeed in, more important than where it is that you will go to university, is Jesus Christ alive in your life. Friends and family today, there are so many amazing testimonies of who God is, of what it is that he's already done. There's so many just, just, just prayers that are being released uh, to the throne room today of what it is that we're hoping for. But please remember that you were also fearfully and wonderfully made for one sole purpose, to present, proclaim, and promise that Jesus is who he said that he was. He is today who he's always been, and he's coming back once again. This is our purpose. This is our purpose. Not to work hard so that we can uh, attain enough and at 65 we can retire. What is that? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no retirement. Amen? Hello? Yo, we get to live for everlasting, forevermore. 
from this day forward, if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's no retirement because we get to walk from glory to glory. Our only mission is to make sure that as many people as God surrounds us with have the opportunity to walk into the same thing. Our mission is to not be selfish with he who gave it all for us. And so I encourage you as we continue through HeartStrong and we read through the book of Mark to ask yourself this question, who is it that people see in me? Do they know whom I follow? Church, if we will be present where God is needed, if we will step in boldness and proclaim how we must move towards God through repentance, if we can look our loved ones in the eyes and promise the hope that God is good and he does and will and always has forgiven sin, we will watch as a world falls on their face before our king. Because the point is, is that each and every one of us were made in the image of God. We are here this morning, not clothed in camel hair. Let's just take a moment. That's so good. That's so good. Elizabeth didn't tell you today, but that dress is brand new and she was super excited to come up and, and right? Right? And there was a comment made in the team room that like, I would never pick my own clothes. And so... I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. But it's not about what we have. It's not about how much style or how gifted you are at art. It's not about uh, how much wealth you've, you've obtained through the profession that God has released you into. It's not about your marital status. It's not about your popularity, no. The entire point is Jesus and Jesus alone, amen? May people not see what it is that we wear. May people not see what it is that we do. May people not see just our talents and our gifts. No, instead, may they see that the source of it all is Jesus. That the source of it all is Jesus. Church, without him, I have nothing. So I was preparing this message on Thursday and coming to this close, I was reminded of that, that simple truth that every good thing in my life has come from God. And I encourage you this morning to leave this place in a position of thankfulness, to leave this church in a position of thankfulness that every good thing in your life has come from God. And that's what it is that we want for everyone else. Some don't even understand that the good things that are taking place in their life is because God has released that onto them. The circumstances that they find themselves in that are so heavy and are so hard. And the yoke would be easier to bear if only Jesus was there. And we can show that. And we can live that out. See, the beautiful thing of what John did and of what he encouraged us in is that he introduced this water baptism. But before people were baptized, they had to repent. Church, we're not going to do it perfectly. And that's not what today's message is about. It's not about being present and proclaiming and, and promising through perfection. 
The encouragement today is that God will go before you. And even in those moments of weakness, even in those moments where you don't feel like you're enough, he is more than. He is with you. And he is quick to forgive. And he is quick to turn you back onto the path of righteousness. And he is quick to speak into the lives of your friends and your family. And he is quick to give you the wisdom of what it is that you can share. And he is quick to forgive as we must also be quick to forgive. This morning, let us remember that God is good. That he has made us in this amazingly unique way. Not one of us in this room, even today, have heard this message in the same way. That's incredible. That the Holy Spirit would speak through this gathering to you for the benefit of this city is incredible. Incredible. And today we declare, God, we are thankful. Thankful that you fight our battles. Thankful that you see us thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be new so that we also could have hope in order to be instruments of that hope so let's pray today I just want to seal this over this room today this sense that the Holy Spirit is calling us to rest in him Some of you already, as I've been speaking today, you're trying to come up with all the different ways that you can enact this plan. What it is that you can do to be John. But I truly believe that God is simply calling you to understand who he's already made you. To take the solace in the fact that he sees you, he loves you, and he is for you. And instead of today trying to plan out who it is that you can call, the emails that you can send, the texts that you can send out, you know, how many muffins you're going to bring to work tomorrow. No, instead of focusing on the do, can you just be with God today? Can we just be with him this morning and rest in the power that he has for you? Allow his Holy Spirit to minister to you today to prepare you for the week to come. And when he calls on you, when the Holy Spirit begins to unfold the plan that he has for your life and who it is that he would like you to interact with, then you can focus on the do. But we are so quick to jump to that step. But this morning we take a moment and rest in him. Let's pray. God, we rest in you today. God, I thank you for the example of John the Baptist. God, I thank you that the Old Testament pointed to him, God. But Lord, your word also tells us that in our mother's womb, you knit us together. God, your word tells us that every hair on our head is counted. God, that every piece of us, God, that you know every piece of us, that that it was purposed by you. And so God, just as John the Baptist has ties to the Old Testament, God, so do we. So do we, God. Our story is there, written uh, throughout that, that amazing history, God. Our story is there, Lord Jesus, as we follow it through the Gospels, God. Our story is there as we follow it through the New Testament. And so, Lord, I pray that each and every one this morning would rest in purpose today. God, place us where we need to be. God, I pray that we would find ourselves in accessible opportunities. 
people can come and hear and see and taste that you are good. God, give us boldness to proclaim your majesty. Give us boldness, God, to testify. And Lord Jesus, may we rest in the promise of hope so that our lives may also share that with those who need it. And so God, we stand on your word and we ask today that you would continue to make us heart strong. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Have a blessed week.